Welcome to the Battleground Wisconsin podcast. My name is Matt Brusky, and I'm the Deputy Director here at Citizen Action. And welcome to a very different week from Wisconsin. It is uh, post-election, first podcast since uh, Tuesday. We have our full panel to to debrief it, and that includes Jorna Taylor. Jorna is a nonprofit consultant here in Wisconsin. Jorna, I can't say welcome, but thank you for being here. And I can't say good, but morning. Yes, yes. Uh, and not with us, uh, but in, I believe, St. Louis for a healthcare conference. Nope, New Orleans. New Orleans, sorry. New Orleans for a healthcare conference. Uh, good morning, everyone from the Big Easy. So, First of all, before we get into fully debriefing the election on Tuesday, which, you know, it was obviously profoundly disappointing, um, we want to thank our members uh, at Citizen Action. We had hundreds, hundreds of members get involved in this election, uh, doing all kinds of different activities from registering voters. We registered over 2,000 voters, mostly here in the Milwaukee area. Um, and we had lots of members uh, work with Anita Johnson and help get voters photo IDs this election, including going down to the DMV. And a lot of that also included some of that work right up to and including on Election Day. We had we did thousands, tens of thousands of door knocks. We had uh, both nonpartisan and partisan activities uh, where we knocked close to 40,000 doors uh, at Citizen Action, including volunteers knocking nearly 10,000 doors uh, in uh, three targeted assembly districts and having thousands of uh, over almost, wait, oh, excuse me, over 2,000 conversations. So uh, and we had hundreds of people come and help us with our ride program on election day. And so we are very much uh, thankful to everyone who got involved and helped out. And so we just wanted to start the podcast by saying that before we get to what we must do now, which is actually talk about what were extraordinarily disappointing results and, um, I, you know, obviously surprising results, I'm sure. And we've talked in the past about what we saw were potential pathways to a Trump victory. Um, and so we'll talk a little bit more about that. I want to start, Jorna and Robert, by getting, first of all, just sort of your overall thoughts, right? Like, I, I know they're negative, but just at least kind of top lines for, for both of you on the election. And then I want us to spend some time actually discussing in more detail what happened, right? And some of what we're seeing in the results from the election and clearly um, uh, get get every, get every both of your thoughts on that. So Jorna, why don't you get us started, obviously, um, uh, just your, your overall uh, immediate thoughts now that we're, what, two days after the election? Oh, gosh. So uh, this morning as I was getting ready and then driving over here to record, I was thinking, what could I possibly say? Um, I I spent yesterday depressed in a daze, <clears throat> excuse me, upset about the results of the election. And I really, I'm not, I'm not in the space quite yet of like moving on and uniting and I'm going to work harder and better and stronger. I, I'm just, I'm not there yet. And, you know, I apologize for everybody who, you know, to everyone that is and, and, Good for you for being stronger than I am, but I'm not there yet. Um, I think in general, you know, it was really telling. We went into Tuesday 
thinking that, you know, projecting that voter turnout was going to be at least on par with 2012 presidential election here in Wisconsin. Um, and if not even more record breaking than that. And what we saw instead was actually the lowest voter turnout in Wisconsin in 20 years. Um, so, you know, it was an, an unenergized base, frankly, and it just didn't feel like there was a whole lot of energy uh, from our side around this this election. Uh, I'll be honest, it just didn't, I didn't, I didn't have that sense. Robert, your thoughts? So this is a very traumatic moment for a lot of people. I've been on calls uh, with, with people where people are crying and are hearing from their members, either like people run organizations around the country wondering whether they should leave the country. Uh, so there's a lot of fear there's a lot of shock. I think a lot of uh, elites simply didn't think this could happen, and that probably explains a lot of the news coverage and a lot of the polling, quite frankly, that they just didn't think in the end that Donald Trump could win. And it's the country pulling apart in many ways, as we are becoming an increasingly multicultural, multi-ethnic country uh, with a huge uh, lot more openness uh, for women, for, for people of, different, uh, of all sexual orientations. As that happens, the country is pulling apart. You have part of the country uh, that, that, uh, literally believing that, that, that the problem is other people and that, uh, their problems. And, uh, and, and we had what uh, Van Jones called a white lash in a lot of areas across the state and the country. And that, that takes a lot of form. A lot of people who were voting for Trump didn't feel like they were being racist or, or reacting in that way. And, and probably if you met them, would be very nice people. And it's not Jim Crow stuff. It's much more complicated. Uh, but they, uh, but droves of people voted for Donald Trump, who literally has built his this campaign around division and around attacking people, fellow Americans. Uh, but then at the same time, you have this conundrum uh, that the people who would be most impacted turned out in lower numbers. So in Milwaukee, for example, uh, Milwaukee turned out enough less that it had turned out at 2012 level. Uh, Hillary wins the state, but that's also true of Western Wisconsin uh, as well in terms of the, the switch in 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 the vote the, the votes of, uh, of white small town and rural voters. Uh, so it's a close enough election where anything can impact it. So we need to. This is really a crisis of faith in America and faith in our own democracy, and you're seeing that all across, not just with Trump voters, but with the lack of lack of base votes uh, for Hillary in key cities at a time like this. And so this is very broad-based and very, and we're about to enter, quite frankly, uh, a very a, a major trial uh, uh, for the future of America and, and one of the most dangerous periods in all American history. So, yeah, no, Robert, that, 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 that I, I, I certainly agree with a lot of what both of you have said. I share sort of Jorna's sense of feeling great great anger and upset over you tried sort to get of, me to hug you well yeah <laughs> i did because i feel like i need it um let me at least just say personally i'll start by saying um i, I i'm viewing this a lot through the lens of of my family both my wife and she's very very upset and my kids my two kids who um, are now of age. One is uh, a sophomore in high school the other is in eighth grade so they've been tracking this they were up all night you know, talking to their friends and their friends are talking and right. They, so there's deep worry for their friends, for people who, you know, Robert, you mentioned the others, right? We, and race Van Jones talking about black lash, right? Or white lash, excuse me. 
uh, all of that is very real. And so that's very immediate and has certainly, my kids are deeply impacted by it. I think the other piece is, it's really hard to explain to them how this could happen, right? Like I can explain it as someone who's older and I can sit across here, Jorna, stare at you and we can come and we're going to talk about this later, a, a deep sort of political analysis that explains this very clearly, right? But it's hard to explain to a child that all the things we're trying to tell them not to do, that somehow that's okay. And this guy got away with it in that they live in a country where like, while it wasn't a majority, it certainly was enough to elect a president. And so that's deeply personally difficult in a way that um, I was not prepared for because I didn't think it was going to happen. So I didn't think, and um, I didn't have to, I didn't have to have the experience or I didn't perceive I was going to have the experience with my children that I've had to have. So that's that's one thing that I just wanted to say fundamentally. The other thing more from just sort of an electoral political side is I'm deeply disturbed at the partisan nature of this country that in some ways didn't fundamentally change. Republicans didn't fundamentally just walk away from this guy, right? 90% of Republicans voted for Trump. 89% of Democrats voted for Clinton. So we were all talking about the implosion of the Republican Party. It didn't happen, right? Like, we're so hyper-partisan that he was able to essentially mobilize essentially white racists. Uh, you know, we can call them uh, working-class whites, all of that, and we'll talk more about how he effectively did that, but just mobilize them and create a massive, you know, a, 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 an electoral margin based off of the fact that this partisan divide really didn't fundamentally change, and it was really just a question of turnout. So that's deeply disheartening, right, Jorna? So let's let's dig into what some of the numbers actually told us. Um, you know, I for one spent election day on Milwaukee's near Southside in uh, the Latino community doing voter protection, and so I had. I think eight different polling locations and and what I saw at those polling locations because you live in a bubble on election day where you get very little information was steady traffic going in and out of those long lines of new registrants of new Latino registrants um, going to the polls and one polling location that I was at they would cheer every time a brand new voter um, participated which was it gave me hope and we saw all these stories about record-breaking Latino turnout across the country um, however that turnout split two-thirds and a third, um, Hillary Clinton to Donald Trump. And, and while it is becoming a voting block, the mass, the sheer numbers are just not on par with you know, the white voter turnout to make enough of an impact um, to, to really make the difference. So I think that for me, though, was my aha moment and my, okay, this is, this is a really important place that we need to focus energy because this was a guy who called Mexicans rapists and mm -hmm. wants to build a wall and deport families. And if anybody saw the, um, the video of the kids crying because they had heard at school that Donald Trump was going to send their families away from them. I mean, all of this, and still it was two thirds and a third. I mean, it's a really interesting take on one piece of the electorate. Robert? Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I, by the way, I also want to second Pat's remarks about his kids. I took my two oldest nephews, Delano and Elijah, out to watch parties, and they're usually cynical teenagers, but they were totally stunned. Um, and it didn't, yeah, so it, it, the impact on the kids is huge. But yeah, if you look at the Latino community, as uh, 
uh, journal suggesting, we get, and it's partly the legacy of this country, we want to say that anyone who's a minority, that they're, they're all the same. I mean, just like saying that whites are all the same or Europeans are all the same. The Latino community is just as complicated as the white community. And so 35 percent of Latinos actually voted for this guy. So we need to be aware of that. Um, I also would just say generally, and there are a lot of numbers you can point out, uh, the Hillary campaign, based on the exit polls, was the most successful campaign in American history in contacting voters in recent American history since we've been keeping records. And Trump's campaign uh, contacted fewer people than most campaigns, a little more than McCain, but that's it. So there was a huge gap. There were large programs contacting voters. This wasn't about the mechanics of elections. All the mechanical things that political professionals talk about happened. Other than Wisconsin, I will say with a caveat, the inexplicable fact that Hillary Clinton, this is the only state where she was badly outspent by Trump and she didn't, didn't hear the general election, and it was so close. So there was, but otherwise, uh, Trump was bad. His groups, the dark money groups, are badly outspent by Clinton and her supporters in every other battleground state. So this wasn't about election mechanics. This was about, uh, particularly with our base voters, people's faith that democracy makes a difference in their, difference in their lives. And so the uh, white voters that went to Trump just want to blow up the system, think it's corrupt, think it's rigged. Now, as a result, what they've done is they've thrown control of government into the hands of a right-wing Republican elite that will make things much worse, and they're planning right now to take over the Trump administration. That's what Paul Ryan and Priebus are up to right now. Uh, but, and then on, as far as voters who, who didn't vote, um, who, who should have voted, they don't. They are disconnected as well. Their circumstances are getting worse. They don't see any stake in, in, in American democracy either. So you have a major crisis, quite frankly, in faith in this country, in the fundamental defining feature of America, which is the ability of our democratic government uh, to improve people's lives and to and create a common destiny for all of us. And that is, uh, that is an existential threat to the future of the country. So I think one of the other things that has I've read a number of articles and Matt and Robert I'm sure you have as well um, over the past two days is really really what our electorate looked like and it was rural and older and white and that's who really came to the polls and you know this populist Trump um, this populist Trump message that he had it really fed into the anger that people have it was an uprising different than the sort of uprisings that we think are positive we see their their anger and angst as as negative and how can they vote against their personal interests and and they see us as you know liberal city elitists and so I've been reading a lot of these things about how Trump's data team and there's a interesting article in Bloomberg that maybe we can link on the website um, that talks about how Trump's data just looked so much different, and they went out there and they harnessed the the anger against Hillary Clinton as the establishment and as the government, and they latched on to something that was different. I mean, in a way, it reminds me of sort of the Arnold Schwarzenegger, Jesse Ventura. It was different. It didn't matter if it was good or bad. It was just something different, and they were angry, and Trump fed them into a frenzy of that. Hold on, Robert, one second. I want to just give a little bit of numbers that sort of talk about some of the things both of you are talking about in terms of who turned out. I think it's helpful. And then, Robert, I'll send it back to you for some more thoughts. But um, it's worth noting that Hillary Clinton did struggle, as we mentioned, to turn out what you might call the Obama uh, coalition. She had 5 million less votes uh, about, these are round numbers, than Obama did in 2012, whereas Donald Trump 
turned out one million fewer than Romney, right? So it's worth pointing out, right? Like he didn't, he turned out less overall votes. But if you look in Wisconsin, if you go into the Rust Belt, you look into Michigan, it was much closer where, where essentially uh, Trump had almost the same votes as, as Romney did in spite of these intense uh, high number, shockingly large numbers for the third party candidates. It, whereas Clinton had a quarter of a million fewer votes here in Wisconsin than Obama did. And in Michigan, tr uh, Trump outperformed Romney. Right. So literally outperformed him where around the country was trailing a little bit. So you could see that um, not only did we have a suppression of uh, the Obama coalition in terms of less votes coming out, but in Wisconsin and Michigan, we even saw Trump doing as well as Romney, if not outperforming him, which explains the margins. And yeah, no, we've mentioned it. She is uh, 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 Clinton underperformed uh, amongst African-Americans, Latinos, and younger people compared to Obama. And Robert, you mentioned the city of Milwaukee. We had 27,000 fewer votes um, for Hillary Clinton than we did for um or come out of the city for uh, than than in 2012. So that's a th that's a, an important amount. But you also mentioned Robert that happened in other parts of the state too. So let me just tell you, and this is a very close election. Let's not forget that in Wisconsin nationally. And so it's not like we're sitting in the middle of Idaho where you can't imagine winning the state, right? And and the same with a lot of the battleground states. And so this was a marginal thing. So it's not that uh, it's it, but it was enough, and I think Jorna's point is really well taken about Schwarzenegger and Jesse Ventura. Uh, but here's the thing. If people think government is totally degraded, if they think it's corrupt, if they think it's just a, a Ponzi scheme where a rigged system where, where special interests are getting money out and they're being essentially uh, you know, thrown at the side of the road, then they don't have this glorified idea, well, this man is presidential. He can't occupy the White House. You see what I mean? So in a very real way, the 40-year crashing of government by the right in this country is now benefiting them and has given them complete control of government. And now they own it. Uh, so the next, the next stages of what's going to happen, how bad it's going to be, what's going to happen when you try to take 25, take, 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 throw people, 25 million people off health care, if you actually try to deport 11 million people, if you actually start persecuting the dreamers. Uh, if you just go through what, what could happen right now, um, there's a lot to resist. But, and this is that I could go to because we're having this discussion about right now at the conference. I don't want to miss it. But I think that ultimately this is about restoring faith in what we can do together. And therefore, we cannot, in resisting, lose sight of a broader vision of what America can be and should be and, uh, and our agency in making that possible. And that, is, that seems far away and remote at this moment. But that if we lose sight of that, if we just get into a fight with trying to block all the terrible things Trump and the Republicans are doing, then we're losing our souls, and we're not offering any vision of what America could be as America continues to become a more diverse and more tolerant country and more open and accepting country at the same time that it's electing Donald Trump. It's hard to imagine that's the case, but both things are actually true. So let's talk. We, I know that we're talking a lot about the presidential um, but to kind of parlay into state 
Wisconsin state elections a little bit, um, one really interesting statistic that I found is that 3,000 more people voted in the U.S. Senate race, um, Johnson versus Feingold, than voted in the presidential. That's a stunning number. That's like, I, I don't know that that's ever happened before. <laughs> Look, well, it does, again, it sure. shows right that like these were not popular candidates. Uh, to underscore that, the, the, these numbers are amazing. Again, it all, it, not only not popular, but also how highly partisan we are. 60% viewed Trump unfavorably. Of that, 15% of them voted for him. 63% said that he had the wrong temperament to be president. And 20% of those people voted for Trump. 60% or 63% wrong temperament. 60% said he was not qualified to be president. And 18% of those people voted for him. So there's a just a, I mean, that's just like a titanic sort of disconnect that I think goes to what you're saying, Robert, right? And what we're trying to get at here in terms of the mood that was going on and how it was a miss, a total mismatch of sort of what, what candidates we had. And then, of course, the white lash, right? We just have to be very blunt and honest about the way race was dominant in this race and also gender, right? To really just sort of hammer away. And, and which is also so disheartening that we then ended up with this largely very partisan kind of thing that just, you know, then had a wave of sort of, of white racists that got a majority. It's, it's just terrifying. And many, I mean, just unbelievable. Um, neither of our, candidates could really capture the mood of, you know, completely crashing the current system. Uh, Hillary, because no matter what she said, she has such a long history, and there's been 30 years now of destroying her reputation from the right and the right-wing echo machine. She couldn't overcome that, so she was seen as owning everything people hate about politics and the establishment. Russ Feingold, if he had been a challenger, never been in the U.S. Senate, certainly had the, the positioning and the approach to pull it off, but people couldn't forget that he would, I don't think that he was in the U.S. Senate so long, and therefore um, he ultimately got, got labeled with the status quo as well, not as, mu not as much as Hillary, but enough for, you know, a, a, someone like Ron Johnson to retain his Senate seat. The first U.S. Senate win since 1980 in a presidential election year in Wisconsin. Yeah, no, and Johnson pounded away on that. That was like almost one of his only real messages, and and clearly now you, you, we can see why. Um, Jorna, Robert, I know you got to go. We'll, we'll let you go. Jorna and I will briefly discuss what uh, what didn't happen in the uh, <laughs> in the legislative races. Robert, have a good conference, and we'll and, see you. And, see and I'll just say, I know you'll preview it later. That I hope anyone in the Milwaukee area joins us at our Brewfest next Thursday, the 18th, because this is certainly a time. When we all need to have a drink together and and chart a path forward. It's it, it's the seventeenth, Robert. Thursday the seventeenth. Yes. Yeah, so thank you. Yes. All right, Robert. Have a good conference. So, Jorna, let's talk a little bit about what what happened in the state legislature because <laughs> you know we do obviously we're we're we do a lot of political work and are very familiar with all the efforts to try and make headway in the Senate. In particular, there was a lot of efforts in the 18th Senate District, which is in the Oshkosh area, um, in, in that broader county. And then also um, in the Assembly, there was actually a lot of effort this time in a number of Assembly seats. And totally wiped out by, by this rural wave of, of, of 
working class white voters and Trump and Republicans turning out at levels that just couldn't be dealt with. And we had crushing defeats. We kept Dave Hansen. That, <laughs> hey, and, and, Sorry. and I mean, like, that's actually that, that's something to say. Because amazing given what went on in Green Bay. So we lost Julie Lassa in the state Senate, yep. a woman. Yep. Um, and right now, our minority leader, Jen Schilling, is in a recount yep. with a separation of 50 some odd votes between her and Dan Kapanke yep. uh, in the western coast yep. of Wisconsin. And we lost other targeted races where a few months ago we thought we were totally going to skate to victory with Mandy Wright in the assembly and just different places. We got our butts handed to yeah. us. Mark Harris went down. Mark Harris went down hard. All of Tom these- Nelson in a congressional race. Let's just I, I know that's not the state legislature, but he got caught up clearly in. in- and Tom. Yeah. Tom Nelson did everything that he was supposed to do. He did it right. He worked really, really hard. I really like him. I think that, you know, he's the right candidate again in 2018. I hope he reruns. You know, other candidates in uh, congressional races, Sarah Lloyd and Kari uh, Pennebaker, you know, they, they did the things that they needed to do in many ways. And there just wasn't, there wasn't any support out there. The wave is unbelievable how in in that it was a presidential this is something we might normally expect to see in an off year in a gubernatorial election year yeah i mean mandy wright you mentioned that one's particularly disappointing because uh, mandy's a strong supporter of citizen action and 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 was a quite amazing progressive uh state rep for a few years before she was wiped out and uh you mentioned polling. There was polling that showed that she was at like 58, 60%, you know, a month ago. Mm-hmm. So this was just a wave that um, Robert mentioned it at the presidential level that sort of campaign tactics were beyond, right? A campaign can only do so much. Um, Robert loves sports analogies. It's kind of like maybe it can help you kick a field goal at the end, but it's not it's not everything, right? And and unfortunately, this wave was beyond a lot of the tactical things that go on in state legislative races. It's also frustrating that you can't, it's almost hard to have a conversation about our state legislature um, that's detached from the presidential, right? Like, I don't feel like this was any sort of real mandate or th- it just was part of a wave that was going on nationally, unfortunately. Well, two things on that. One, you know, that, that wave, those sorts of things look good for us for 18, <laughs> as much as it kills me right now. Um, my, you, you talk about, you know, the, the polling looked different and the ground game can only do so much. My struggle right now is trying to figure out how do I talk to those voters that I hold so much contempt for at the moment? Because I really do. I, I am not in a space where I can even fathom how they could, you know, vote in this way. And I can read all the things I want at the moment. And it's a lot of it's still my anger. And as a, you know, political hack, I will come around and start to work on this again in a few days. But I don't know where to start with that messaging. You know, we've done a lot of work collectively here with, you know, Citizen Action and being led by Robert on values-based messaging and with our coalition partners. And we're how do we get that values-based messaging to these voters who are so disenfranchised um, with the with government? Yeah, and obviously, Jordan, I think this we're way beyond messaging at this point. Right. Um, I, I was on the ride in thinking to myself in some ways, 
you know, at Citizen Action, we really try to figure out how do we build an effective coalition of people who understand that their interests in Eau Claire, their interests in La Crosse and Rhinelander are aligned with the interests of uh, folks in Milwaukee and Racine and Kenosha and uh, the others, as Robert talked about, that now are feel like the others uh, in a Trump administration, right? That we failed, right? We have a more divided state right now between urban working people and rural working people. And that is profoundly disappointing. And that is beyond messaging. And I, I must say, um, it's it lays out a very important challenge for us at Citizen Action, because we can't just go run a program that says, hey, we're going to go figure out how we communicate with working class white folks out there that doesn't also connect in tie them to Milwaukee and to to African-American communities, Latino communities, the growing Hmong communities, basically workers all over, and try to break down what Trump kind of galvanized. And Because it's the only sort of hope back. Because we have to remember, Obama got a lot of those voters voted for Obama. So it's not like we have this um, a majority of racists who just will not listen, you know, are completely closed off to us. They're just completely available to obviously clearly go vote for some someone like a Trump, but there are also people out there that you we have to figure out how we're going to communicate, divide. go out talk to them. I mean, we did a program here where we really went out and tried to talk to working class voters in the twenty uh, first and eighty uh, fifth and sixty eighth. So that's Eau Claire, Oak Creek. We could hear what was, you could hear, Trump was very popular, right? But there were, there were conversations that could be had about the economy where there was common ground. And I really think that that is where, where the future is, right? Really starting to have those conversations, not getting immediately polarized in a conversation of Trump. Um, but it's going to be challenging because we can't just have a white working class conversation. It has to include a race analysis and it has to take on and start to deal with race because um, we can't go back to a, a an old day where manufacturing jobs were great because, by the way, they were also, uh, there was a ton of racism and those jobs often weren't open to African-Americans. So we're not trying to hearken back to, quote, that kind of day. We have to think about a different future. So it's going to require a profound change in a lot of our organizing um, and communication. Yeah, so, you know, we're t- we've moved into the what's next. And I think on in the short term, it's really living our values and and teaching your kids, Matt, and my friends who are struggling just as much as you are. I've had so many conversations the past couple of days about friends of mine who are not political in the way that we are, that they woke up and had to explain to their three young girls what had happened and, you know, the bullying that may result and that we still need to teach our children our values and we need to live our values at as everyday humans and be kind to each other so that we can bridge this divide because there is so much anger. There's so much anger on both sides. I have a lot of anger right now. (laughs) I I will own that. I, you know, but I do this because I actually believe in democracy and I believe the government can work and can be this support system for our entire country. And so we need to engage not just our quote progressive and liberal friends in this conversation but we really are going to have to figure out how to reach what we would call strange bedfellows in this fight uh to to bridge the divide 
at some point. Not today Not for me. Today. It's going to probably yeah. have to be next week. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'll have it forced upon me this Saturday as I head out to our dirt track uh, <laughs> annual banquet, and I'm sure there'll be plenty of people there very happy, and that'll be an interesting challenge. But anyways... So we're going to look forward here before we get to our weekend furlough and talk about our organizing cooperatives. We've had Anna Dvorak on before to talk about the membership drives that we are undergoing, uh, both in our current cooperative, but also expansion of cooperatives in the Green Bay area and here in Milwaukee. So today, both uh, Anna Dvorak is going to join us along with Luz Sosa to talk about uh, the cooperative drives and in particular Luz will talk in more detail about the cooperative that she is helping organize. So with that we're going to have Anna and Luz. Hey Matt thanks for having us. So again my name is Anna Dvorak and I'm the organizer at the Citizen Action Organizing Cooperative which is our member-based kind of arm here at Citizen Action and Luz Sosa is sitting next to me. She's my fellow organizer. Luz do you want to introduce yourself? Yes, hi Anna and hi everyone who's listening to us. My name is Luz Sosa and again I'm the Latino community organizing uh, organizer for, for Citizen Action. Thanks Luz. Yeah, so we just wanted to come on because um, obviously this election is devastating. Um, it was terrible and I you know, spent a lot of yesterday just kind of like feeling quite depressed about it. Um, but the only thing that gives me hope right now is that our organization is organizing people. We are part of an, a, a growing organization that is trying something new. And I think this election makes it more clear than ever that what progressives have been doing in the past few decades just is not working. And Definitely, yeah. Anna. I agree with you. And what I can see, especially in the Latino community, there's uh, there has been a lot of panicking, um, you know, especially with uh, Trump's, um, you know, proposal of eliminating the uh, DACA, which is the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. Um, you know, undocumented students ha can have the chance to work and study in the United States, um, but um, they are very uh, they are very scared. And so, this organizing cooperative, especially when it comes to the Latino community, I think is the only thing that is uh, now when uh, our organizing cooperative is giving them hope. But also, organizations like Voces de la Frontera are work are working really hard to make sure that the community feels safe and. And that um, and then we can move forward. Um, and so what are the next steps? And the next steps are definitely to plan, to organize and to fight uh, together in unity. Right, right. And that's the unifying piece of our organizing cooperative is really what what gives me hope. Our communities are incredibly segregated, especially in the greater Milwaukee area, but in Wisconsin in general. And I think that white working class voters and even middle class voters, Latinos, African Americans, uh, Hmong, Asian Americans, etc., the LGBT, LGBT community, we all have things in common. We have more in common than we have different and we need to have each other's backs. And so I think moving forward, I'm really going to look forward to having conversations with our member owners and our, our many new member owners that are pledging now to join. Um, we have just how many days left? I want to say, yeah, three days left in our membership drive. So if you have not joined yet, please go on 
www.citizenactionwi.org and pledge to join. But what I'm looking forward to is having a conversation with our members and figuring out, okay, how can we make sure that uh, we have the backs of the working class, the workers who are going to see a lot of attacks on workers' rights? How are we going to have the backs of the millions of undocumented immigrants who are going to see their families torn apart? Um, how are we going to have the backs of African-Americans who are seeing their voting rights attacked time and time again and their children arrested and thrown into prisons. How are we going to have each other's backs? Because we're not going to do anything unless we come together and organize. Um, and Anna, yeah. something that we need to make sure that people understand, uh, Hillary Clinton won the popular vote. So it's not that the majority of the people in the United States um, are in favor of these proposals. And that is why we're seeing a rise in uh, protests around the country. So we got to make sure that we understand that people actually want unity and people actually want to be together and work together on the issues that really matter. So do not desperate, um, you know, just make sure that you join organizations uh, like Citizen Action and uh, try to meet uh, other communities, other members of the community not just here in Milwaukee but in other areas of the state and have those conversations about what issues really matter to you and how we can work together on a plan to actually accomplish those goals and uh, just like we know uh, unity is power union is power and and that is what we need to work on right right so again we just have three days left in our organizing cooperative drive, membership drives, please go online and check it out, citizenactionwi.org. If you're interested in um, radio, our radioactive campaign, working to break the right-wing talk radio monopoly, pledge to join on that page. It's at the very top of the page. If you're interested in getting involved in our cooperativa, which is our, kind of, our Latino organizing cooperative, uh, join that. If you live in the northeastern Wisconsin area, we have an organizer, Rebecca Durain, working in that area. Um, and in western Wisconsin, the Eau Claire area and surrounding counties, uh, we're doing work there. And so, um, you know, when need be, they can work on issues that are unique to their own communities. But when it comes to statewide issues, we can join together and make a real difference. So um, please check that out and Let's move forward. We are going to spend a lot more time on future podcasts going into greater depth and talking about what a Trump administration and then also what will be a further, more conservative state legislature and Walker administration uh, holds for 2017 and beyond. And we'll, we'll try to do this by looking at different issues and different aspects of this, but it's too much to unpack today. It's also emotionally too much to unpack today. So with that, um, Jorna, you know, it's been weeks. Is, is there anything? What, what, what gets your head back to sort of start the, re the healing process and then also not only just healing, but like preparing to steal ourselves for what could be, what will be, a very challenging future. What are you going to do this weekend? What? What's, what's, what does Drink. it look, what does no, it look that's like? that's not healthy. What does it look like? Uh, so I will admit that the first thing that I did yesterday morning was I took some time away from all of this and I went and I saw my horses and yeah. I rode my horses and I went out to lunch with some of my riding friends and I just stopped 
thinking about it for a few minutes and that made me feel better. So I am lucky that I have that sort of outlet and I will be spending the weekend with everybody's favorite horses. George and Reno. George and Reno. Well, yeah, that that sounds great. I, as I mentioned, I'll, I'll, I'll be at uh, our annual banquet this weekend, which is at the Dells, and I'll be there pretty much all weekend. So it's... There's a lot of people there I want to see, although I must admit, I do not want to talk politics this weekend. I actually am looking forward to trying to uh, talk about <laughs> racing and something else. So I'm also looking forward to watching the Packer game uh, with my wife and nobody else. So we have not spent much time <laughs> nobody together. Nobody else. Nobody else. That is our, uh, our... Children, get out of here. <laughs> well, they'll be, they'll be, of course, in the water park. So we'll get to spend time at the bar watching the Packers. I hope there's a <laughs> with game With everybody this else. I haven't even checked the schedule. There better be a game this weekend. Well, look, um, we'll be back here next week at the Battleground Wisconsin podcast. I promise to be happier. Well, you know, I'm not asking you to be. We, <laughs> we, this is the, these are definitely going to be rough times. As much as um, we think the explosion was, at, was uh, this Tuesday, the explosion is probably coming ahead. So we just need to be prepared. Uh, it was Trump's promise in the election. So with that, that is the future, and we will see you next week. want to thank Brian Wildridge, our producer, who, of course, makes it happen every week here at the Battleground Wisconsin podcast.